We're going to be in John chapter 15 today. John 15. Of course, as uh, Ken mentioned a few minutes ago, today is Friend Day. I know many of you uh, invited folks to come with you today. We have several guests with us today, and uh, we say a special welcome to you if you're new with us. Uh, as we think about uh, friendship, over the past week, I was thinking about some of my childhood friends, particularly those who I would call my best friends. Now, I know this might be uh, a statement that you all may agree or disagree with, but I think really that you can only have one best friend at a time. Now, some people may disagree with that. I think if they're your best friend, that's like an exclusive title. And so as I was thinking about my best friends throughout my childhood, there were three guys who came to my mind by the names of Michael, Brandon, and Justin. And when I think of these three guys, they were my best friends at different times in my life growing up. And, man, we shared a a lot of the highs and lows in life. If you think about your uh, friends, the reason if you have a best friend, the reason that your friend is your best friend or a close friend, the reason they are that is because you share the ups and downs of life. You laugh together, cry together. You might share secrets together. Uh, You do things together, spend time together. You know each other better than you know anyone else. And that's really what friendship is all about. And as I think about friendship this morning, I'm thankful not just for friends, but I'm thankful that close friendship with the most powerful, most well-known, greatest friend there is can be found by anyone who wants to be his friend. Now let me say that again in case you missed it. Close friendship with the most powerful, most well-known, greatest friend that there is can be found by anyone who wants to be his friend. And of course, this morning, I'm talking about friendship with God. Friendship with God. And as we think about friendship with God, the Bible is clear that anyone can be a friend of God. Anyone can be a friend of God, but the Bible is also clear that not everyone is a friend of God. Now, let me say that again. Anyone can be a friend of God, But not everyone is a friend of God. And so this morning for the message, I think it's important that we ask, each of us, ask ourselves an important question, and I've entitled the message this morning, Are You a Friend of God? Are you a friend of God? Now, of course, uh, like I said, this is an important question, but the reason this is an important question is because the Bible says that, honestly, there is no middle ground here. It is a yes or no answer. It's not a, well, kind of or sort of. This is a yes or no answer. Are you a friend of God? And not only is it a yes or no answer, the Bible says that either we are friends with God or we're friends with the world, that there is no other option. We are a friend of God or we are a friend of the world. And James 4, verse 4, talks about it in this way. Listen to what he says. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. So in other words, there are only two options. Either you are a friend of God or you are an enemy of God. That is how the Bible puts it. And again, let me say that anyone who wants to be a friend of God can be a friend of God. But if you are not, the Bible says plainly, 
that you are an enemy of God? That is why this is such a crucial, important question. Are you a friend of God? Now, as I think about this question, I can't think of any reason that someone shouldn't desire to be friends with God. He created you. He loves you. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. He has a plan for your life. He wants you to live a life that brings honor and glory to him, that brings joy in your heart, joy joy in your life. He wants what's best for you. He wants to bless you. Being a friend of God is more valuable than gold. Being a friend of God is more necessary than air. Being a friend of God will far exceed any personal relationship that you have ever known. It's an internal friendship that promises eternal life. That is what being a friend of God is all about. And so this morning, as we think about this question, are you a friend of God, we also naturally, to answer this question, have to ask, what does it take to be friends with God? And as we look in John chapter 15, we're going to see some of these things. And I want to set the context of the passage for you before we read it so you know kind of what's going on here. This uh, conversation between Jesus and his disciples occurred the day before Jesus was going to go to the cross and die. This was uh, happening in the upper room. If you've been uh, around church around Easter time, you probably know what's, what's happened here. Uh, Jesus observes the Passover meal with his disciples, what we may call the Last Supper, uh, what we commemorate when we do the Lord's Supper. So he's having this meal together, and as part of this meal, he brings a lot of vital teachings to them at a time of turmoil and anxiety. Again, there, there is increasing pressure on Jesus and his disciples, and that night Jesus was going to be arrested and tried, and, and the next day he was going to be killed. And so there were a lot of, of worries that they had. And so Jesus, in his teaching here, was giving them several um, important things that they would need to know moving forward. And if you look in your Bibles, uh, John chapter 14, there are several of these things where he's talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. He's talking about uh, bringing peace in their lives. Again, this was a time of high anxiety. We're going to come back to John 14 in a few minutes for a particular passage. At the beginning of 15, you'll see that he's talking about how he's divine, and we're like the branches, and we're to remain in him. We're to stay with him. Now, this was interesting for him to say, given the fact that he was getting ready to go away. Some, just a few days after, about 40 days after, uh, after he would come back to life, Jesus would ascend back to heaven to be with the Father. And so this was interesting that Jesus was talking about remaining with him. And as we go through this, Jesus is giving some other commands, and we're going to pick up in verse 12 and look at what he says. He says, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore, because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends. Because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. 
Let's pray together as we think about these verses. Father, as we consider today what it means to be friends of God, Lord, I thank you that this is um, something that we can even consider in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you loved us so much, you cared about us so much that you even want us to be your friends. Lord, as we consider this question today and look at what Jesus has said, I pray for every one of us that if our answer to the question, if we're a friend of God or not, is no, I pray that you would convict us, you would show us the truth in your word, and we would leave here having that relationship today. Lord, I pray for the believer who is a friend of yours, that for those of us, we would be encouraged be reminded about how much you love us and this great relationship that we have with you. Lord, move through our hearts with your spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this morning, as you're thinking about friendship with God, if you desire to be friends with God, there are a few must-know truths in this passage that I want to point you to. And I want to begin in verse 15. We're going to kind of hop around this section together uh, to to kind of think through it, um, kind of flow more, more plainly and clearly. So I want to begin at verse 15, where he actually calls them friends. Look at what he says. I do not call you servants anymore, because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, because I've made known to you everything you've heard from my father. Now, of course, you know, following Jesus, there is an aspect of it that we are servants of God, and there always will be that aspect, but what he was showing them here is this relationship was changing. This relationship was different than how they had viewed their relationships with God in the past. If you look in the Old Testament, there's only one person who was actually called a friend of God, and that was Abraham, a patriarch, a hero of the faith. Jews looked up to him. We still look up to him as Christians today as being a hero of the faith. And he was the only one in the Old Testament ever called a friend of God. And so here was Jesus, Emmanuel as he was called, which means God with us. Here was God in the flesh, standing there with his disciples, now calling them this strange word that they would have never, ever imagined that they could associate themselves in this way with God. Here was God in the flesh calling these men friends. Man, what a title to have. What a title. And that same title is offered to us today, even today, some 2,000 years later, that we could be friends of God. A friend of God, I I think about, is a priceless and humbling title to have. When you think about the titles that you have in your life, There are probably several titles that you have that to get that title, you worked hard, and in some way you earned the title that you have. Maybe in your job, wherever you worked, you worked hard maybe for years to finally get the title that you have in your job. Maybe the the degree that you have. You worked hard, stayed up late nights, studied, uh, wrote papers, did all of these things to earn that title, that degree that you finally received. When you think about uh, maybe in high school or college, if you ever won a championship with your team, that title that you have, you know the blood, sweat, and tears that went into earning that title. 
man, that's something that you hold on to because you earned it. You worked hard for it, and you finally have it. I know some of you all uh, here uh, today, uh, including one here today that I was told coming up this weekend, have earned the title of being in the Allen County Hall of Fame. And listen, I, I know that that was very, very difficult, very hard work to get in the Hall of Fame. Like, there are uh, many titles that we think about in our lives that we know that we have earned. I want you to know today that the title of friend of God cannot be earned. Let me say that again. The title of friend of God, is very, it's a very different title. It can never, ever, ever be earned. There is absolutely nothing you can do. You can't take a class. You can't do certain things. You can't do anything to earn it. And there are a lot of people today, maybe you today, you've thought, well, if I just do the right things, that I can be friends with God. If I can do the right things, that God will pour his grace out on me that I'll get to go to heaven. If I just go to church enough, if I just give enough, if I'm just kind enough, if I'm just doing the things I need to be doing, somehow I can become a friend of God. The Bible is clear that there is no way that we can earn it. And let me remind you, not only can we not earn this title, but there is no middle ground. Either we are a friend of God or we're an enemy of God. So how can you become a friend of God? If you can't earn it, how can you become a friend of God? Look at verse 16, what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now let's think about what he's talking about there. He's with uh, this group of, of his 12 followers that are there, and as he's sharing this, he's thinking about, the way that he called them. Now, if you don't remember or maybe you're unfamiliar with uh, the way that rabbis, teachers of that time, would call their disciples, their students, they would walk around and they would pick them out. Usually, rabbis and teachers would, would pick out the brightest and the best disciples to come and train and listen under them and follow them. Jesus was very different. He picked the, the outcasts, the ones that the other rabbis didn't want to come and follow. And there was absolutely nothing that those disciples could do, ever do, to earn it or deserve being a follower of Jesus. It wasn't anything that they applied for. It wasn't anything that they had to turn in a transcript for or take a test to try to be a part of. Jesus appointed them to this role. And similarly, as you think about what it means for you to be a friend of God, there is nothing that you can do to save yourself or give yourself the title of being friends with God. And so this morning, one of the truths that you have to know is that friendship with God is not earned, but given. Friendship with God is not earned, but it's given. And I'm thankful that this relationship, because it's priceless, it's it's invaluable, this relationship is not only given, but it's given freely. To anyone who wants to be a friend of God, that is offered to you and can be given to you. So again, as we're thinking about the question, how can you become a friend of God, I want to jump right into the second idea, the second truth that we're going to see in this passage in just a moment. And that is this, and I want you to hear me plainly, because this is so important, especially if you've ever thought about 
well, how do I become a friend of God? And maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe I'm good enough. Friendship with God is only possible through Jesus. Friendship with God is only possible through Jesus. Now again, this is, uh, as we're reading this passage in John 15, this is a small portion of of a large group of teaching that Jesus was doing. And I want you to go back to John chapter 14. Just should be maybe a page or two back in your Bible. One chapter back. This is the same context, same setting, same teachings. And I want you to look at what Jesus says in John 14, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to go back to John 15 in just a moment. But look at what he says here. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Again, they were very worried about what would happen, and especially if Jesus was leaving them. Look at what he says. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, would I have told you, excuse me, that I am going to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And then we have a question here after Jesus says in verse 4, you know the way to where I'm going. Look at what Thomas says in verse 5. Lord, Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And that's a super important question because what Jesus is getting ready to answer to him is the same answer to the question, how can we be friends with God? How is this relationship possible? How can we, how can we have this title? Look at what he says. Verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me say that last sentence again in case you didn't hear Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through me. Imagine if you were going to a friend's house and you had never been there before, And they were going to tell you how to get there. And they described the address, but most of all, they described the roads and the turns that you would have to make. And they said, you have to make this right turn onto this certain street. And you have to make sure you do this because this is the only way to my house. And if you don't turn on this road, you will not make it to my house. There's no back way. There's no other turns. This is the only way to my house. And you say, okay, thanks, I got it. And then you walk away from that conversation, thinking about going to your friend's house, and you begin considering, well, maybe maybe they didn't mean that. You know, maybe maybe there are some other ways they don't know about. You know, maybe I could find a, a back way. Maybe I could find a different way. And you talk to some other people, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you could... There's got to be more than one way. You know, it doesn't make sense that there would just be one. Like, there's got to be more than one way. Listen, who should know? Who should know how to get to that house? The person who's there, right? Listen, Jesus tells us plainly, the only way to God is through Him. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. And Jesus knows how, because He's there. And he's telling us plainly, he is the only way. And there are many people who try to say that Jesus isn't the only way. 
And maybe you've thought that. Maybe you're like, well, I can do enough good stuff, or maybe other religions lead to God, or maybe if you just believe whatever it is hard enough, God will have mercy on you and he understands. No, Jesus says that that is not true, that he is the only way. Now, as we look in John 15, he's going to allude to how he would make that way, the very thing that he was going to do that next day, how he would make the way. Look at verse 13. He says, no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. In the prior verse, Jesus is very clear that he has great love for us, and also, you know, a bigger part of the teaching here is that we're to love in the same way. But he says, no one has greater love than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus not only loves you, he proved his love for you. The Bible says that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. And as we think about what makes us enemies with God, it's our sin. It's our rebellion against God, those things that we do that are opposite to how we've been called to live. And we've rebelled against God and we think we know better than God, but God loved us and he cared about us so much. That instead of us having to get the punishment that we deserve, which is eternal punishment in hell, Jesus came and he died on the cross after living a sinless life. And on the third day, three days he was buried, on the third day, the Bible says he came back to life. And now because Jesus did that, we have the opportunity for eternal life. And the Bible says through Jesus, his death, his resurrection is the only way that we can be saved. Some of Jesus' followers in Acts 4 uh, preached, and one sermon in particular in Acts 4, verse 12, one of them said this, talking about Jesus, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only way that we can be friends with God. It's only possible through him. And so we've seen a couple of must-know truths about friendship with God so far in this passage. It's not earned, but it's given. It's only possible through Jesus. And so as you're sitting there today, you may be thinking, well, how do I know if I'm a friend of God? Like, what are some, what are some signs of that? What are some ways I can know that? Well, Jesus, in this little passage of Scripture that we've been looking at, gives a couple of identifiers for how you can know this. Look at verse 14. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. In other words, obedience. If you obey me, you're my friends. Now, as we read that, your first reaction might be, well, I thought it wasn't earned. Hold up a second. He's saying that I have to obey to be his friend. What kind of friendship is that? You know, if I had any friend who told me I had to obey to be their friend, I don't think I'd want to be their friend. But Jesus isn't saying that obedience makes you his friend. What he's making clear here is, and understand this, that obedience, obeying him, is what his friends look like. Now, there's a difference there. So I'll give you an example. If you were going to go out to the parking lot and get something out of my car 
and you had never seen my car. And I said, well, it's, it's parked out here on the side. It's a black car. And you walk out there and you start looking for my car and you're looking for a black car. Now, it's not that it's a black car that the fact that it's black, that makes it my car. I don't own every black car. But the fact that I could describe it that way would show you that's my car. In a similar way, our obedience doesn't make us a friend of God, but friends of God will obey Jesus. Like if we have a relationship with God, if we've been changed by him, we will obey him. Why? Because if we truly are friends of God, the Bible says that our hearts change, our affections change, our minds change to be more like Christ. And if we are growing in that relationship, we're going to be living uh, the things that, that Christ has told us to do. As the Bible says, that God's commands aren't burdens to us. We won't see them that way. We will be excited to follow Jesus. And so he says, in this way, you're my friends if you do what I command you. This is how you're going to know this. This is the sign. You do what I command you, and you know you're my friends. But there's a second thing here I don't want you to miss. Look back at verse 15. We looked at it a moment ago. But particularly the second part. He says, I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything I've heard from my Father. Now this knowledge was very important. Um, and this knowledge in the Greek is a word not just for a transfer of information, but knowledge that is learned by experience. And we know the difference between the two. If you've ever stayed up late one night studying or cramming for a test, that's a transfer of informa information, right? If you've ever been trained for a job over a period of weeks, that is learning by experience. There's a big difference between the two. One is more hands-on. One is more involved. One, it, it actually changes what you do. Most of the time, if you cram or just have a transfer of information, it's, it's kind of pointless, right? It's just information. Well, what Jesus is saying here to his disciples is, you all have hung out with me. You all have spent the last few years with me. And through this being with me, you have known God. Why? Because they had a relationship with him. They have come to know God in a personal relationship, and that is what it means to be friends with God. Friendship with God, if you're taking notes, write this down, is displayed through our obedience and relationship with Jesus. It's displayed through our obedience and relationship with Jesus. Have you come to know and be friends with God through Jesus and let me just, again, be clear. I'm not just talking about knowing about God. There are a lot of people who know about God who don't truly know God. But do you actually know him? Know him through experience. Know him because you have a relationship with him. As a kid, um, one of the things that I used to brag about, my dad was a magician, and he was friends with a magician named Lance Burton. If you all have been here a while, you've probably heard me mention him. He was a uh, magician in Vegas for years. Had a show there. Had, in the 90s, he had tons of television specials. Well, I used to tell my friends at school, like, my dad, my family, me, we're friends. We know Lance Burton. And because he was on TV at that time, they would say, nah, you don't know him. There's no way you know him. And I was like, yeah, I know him. And, you know, it, wasn't, it was before cell phones and all that, so you couldn't just, like, take selfies or text 
or anything like that. So I was trying to convince them that I knew him. They didn't believe me. So he had a television special that he was recording, and part of that television special was going to be shot at a theater in Louisville, and he had invited our family up uh, before the show and after the show to kind of be with him and those kind of things. And I thought, this is my chance to do something to prove to my friends that I know Lance Burton. And so they gave us a program as part of the show, and after the show I thought, well, if I get him to sign this, I can take it to my friends at school and it'll show them. And so I told him what was going on, and so I remember he opened my program, and he signed it, to GJ, I really do know you, Lance Burton. <laughs> and I took it, to, took it to school the next day. Man, I was showing it around. I was like, look, look, he signed this. I really do know you. I know him. Look at how he signed this, this program. He wouldn't just say that for anybody, and I was showing it around. You know, I was thinking about that story this week, and I think similarly, when you become a friend of God, he signs your heart that way. I really do know you. I really do know you. And when you know him and he knows you as his friend, everything changes. Everything changes in your life. You know, I remember when I, I became friends with God. I was a child, and I still remember the moment as I knelt around my coffee table at home with my parents, and I prayed for God to forgive me and for Jesus to save me. And I, I just remember that moment, and I remember even as a child the feeling of that burden being lifted. I knew that God had saved me, and I couldn't wait. To, I, a few minutes later, I went outside to play, and I couldn't wait to tell some of my friends who were outside in the neighborhood, I just got saved. I'm a friend of God. That, and that's what it's like to know God, to be friends with him. And as you grow in that relationship, God blesses you in ways that you could never imagine. He brings joy in your life like nothing else could. Do you want to know God today? Do you want to be his friend? I want to ask you to bow your heads where you are. Now again, this question, are you a friend of God? It's a yes or no answer. When I ask you that question today, I want you to search your heart, search your life. Ask yourself, do I really know God? Have I committed my heart and life to him? Have I trusted Jesus alone for salvation, realizing that he's the only way that I can be saved? And if the answer to are you a friend of God in your heart and your life is yes, I am. Today, be thankful. Be thankful that you can call him that because it's nothing that you did to earn it or deserve it. It's only by the grace of God that you have that relationship. But if your answer today is no, or even I don't know, today you can know for sure that you are a friend of God. Today you can know for sure that you have that relationship and eternal life. And so if you're thinking about that question today, am I a friend of God? And your answer is no, or your answer is I'm not sure and you would like to know more, or you would like to maybe talk to someone, or you would like to say, I want to commit my heart to Jesus today, would you just slip your hand up where you are? If there's someone in here that says, I don't know, I'm not sure. As you're considering that question, I want you to know 
that the only way, the Bible says, the only way that we can have this relationship is through repentance and faith. Saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. And confessing that we believe that Jesus died on the cross and came back to life for us. And that he is our only hope, our only source of salvation. And so if you're here today and you want to be a friend of God, let me encourage you in your heart to confess that to the Lord and then let somebody know it. You can come forward and talk to me. You can talk to me after church. You can talk to maybe a friend who brought you today, somebody you know. But it's so important that we make sure we can say yes to this question. Are you a friend of God? Father, as we think about this question today, again, we are humbled, thankful that we have the ability to be your friend. And we know that we only have that through your grace and mercy. And so, Father, I pray today for maybe that person who doesn't know for sure, as they're feeling that pull and tug in their heart, I pray that you will help them to step out in faith maybe, to come and talk to someone. Lord, help them to leave here knowing for sure that they have a relationship with you. Father, for that person in here who would say, yes, I do have a relationship with God, but maybe it's not where it needs to be. Maybe they need to be baptized. Maybe they need to commit themselves to living more obediently perhaps getting plugged into a church more frequently or to maybe grow in your word or to get more active in their prayer life. Whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that through each of our hearts you would help us see the value of our relationship with you. And we, may we not take it for granted. Lord, stir in our hearts a love and desire for you and your people that same love that you have for us. Be with this time of commitment. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.